We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Feel the 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Oh, that's exactly right. It is the Field of 68 After Dark on this Monday evening. I'm John Fanta, joined tonight by Jeff Goodman and Terrence Oglesby. We are on Sirius XM Channel 84, the ESPNU station. And thanks to all you for joining us who have just been listening to number four Arizona beat Arizona State 91 to 79. We have a loaded show for you tonight. We'll play this or that. We'll talk about Kansas and Texas who are going down to the wire in the Big 12. But we begin tonight with a game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. A game that entering the night, you might have thought, well, first place Duke will take care of business. But at the end of this night, Duke is tied up at nine and three at the top of the Atlantic Coast Conference with Notre Dame. And so we begin with that, Jeff Goodman. Duke loses 69-68 to to Virginia. What happened? You know, I, I think you want to blame it on youth in some regards, right? I mean, Mark Williams, he's still a sophomore. He makes a kind of a bonehead play there at the end. But honestly, he shouldn't be in that position in the first place. You know, they're playing a Virginia team that is mediocre talent-wise, and I'm being kind, I think, to Tony Bennett. Now, they've gotten better over the course of the year, but ultimately, you cannot let Paulo Bencaro not get a shot in the second half and play A.J. Griffin, your best shooter, who's shooting 50% from three as a freshman, two minutes in the second half. To me, that's on K. That is on Mike Krzyzewski. I know defensively, they weren't great, and he wanted to send a message. They probably came out with a little bit of a Carolina hangover. But ultimately, you got to get the ball to Paulo. you got to make sure Griffin's on the court and he can make threes. He spaces the court. This was – honestly, I think this was on K as much as anything else. T.O. It, it's hard to argue that because Paulo Bancaro needs to touch the ball. He's been your go-to player all year. Now, I will say – Virginia loves to trap the post when it comes in from the 45. That's the only thing that he had to know coming in. They were passing it to Paolo, and he's looking immediately to the other uh, to the other side of the court. Uh, you got to put him in positions to score, and whenever you play Virginia, if you get it in there from the top of the key, 
they're a lot more apprehensive as far as how they're going to double team. So uh, there's some different ways you can get him the ball. But I think it says a lot too, guys, the hangover effect. You play an emotional game against North Carolina about 48, 49 hours prior to that to get the young team to move forward and move on to the next thing. That's difficult. You saw the same problem. Uh, UCLA loses to Arizona, an emotional game, really revved up. They go up to Arizona State, and they lose in a tough one. And Arizona State's not great either. So um, the hangover effect for when guys get so involved in a game, you saw it with it with A.J. Griffin today too. Started out 0 for 5. I'm not sure what he ended up with, but started out 1 0 for 5. And re- 1 for yeah. 7 and really struggled. Yeah. So it, it's it's. I think that's a but, real but thing, don't especially you when you have young them? players. Theo, don't you have to trust a kid like A.J. Griffin? To me, he's a floor spacer. He's the guy that you're going to need out there. I think Kay was trying to prove a point because these guys weren't guarding the way he wanted them to guard. Ultimately, you got to have him in there at the end of the game. You have to. You have to. And he's a guy who shot 50% coming into the game from three. You got to have some kind of floor spacing. There wasn't a whole lot. And Trevor Keels is just putting his head down and trying to get to the rim the entire time, going to his right hand. You got to figure out something else that's going to work. And Mark Williams, that third and fourth foul, that little elbow, Killed that hurts. Killed Kills him because then you your rim protection. Now, Theo John did a fine job. He had three blocks, all this. Mark Williams changes the game. That's a huge thing for Duke. Sure he does. But at the same time, Paolo Bancaro does not score in the second half. Let's get to Paolo Bancaro. You're talking about a surefire top three pick in the NBA draft. How does he not score a point, Goodman, in the second half? So I think in the first half, if you watched him, he was actually able to get some decent looks right around the basket, and he missed them. And I think it got in his head a little bit because when you play Virginia, right, and you miss a couple of those around, even though I'm telling you, they were point blank. He got some good looks. Then it starts to get in your head. Virginia's this incredible defensive team. What are they doing to me? He's thinking a little bit too much. And, again, they're not feeding him. And part of it's K, part of it's point guard play. I thought Roach was really good early. Like you said, T.O., then it became like the Trevor Keels put his head down and just explode to the basket. It's hard to do that against Virginia. Virginia's bigs were really good in this game. Yeah. And again, when I watched Virginia tonight, I said to myself, if this had been the Virginia team we'd seen all year, man, they could win the damn ACC. They've gotten yes. a lot better. Their bigs have gotten a lot better. Uh, Shade Shedrick was really, really good tonight. They Now, I know you're at Cameron. So sometimes you're playing the best version of yourself. Other times you're going to shrink to the crowd, the Cameron crazies. These guys, and I think a lot of it is Kihei Clark. That dude just plays like this. And the team, I think, responds to Kihei and Tony Bennett in these situations at Cameron, a huge environment. Kihei made the play of the game, I thought, when he tied up Theo John at the end there uh, to get the, the, yeah. the jump ball possession arrow in, in Virginia's favor. It's interesting to see because what did we say in November about Virginia? They are a year away. Well, we're about we're in February now. Beekman's starting to figure it out. Shedrick's starting to figure it out. Kafaro's giving you good minutes. Now they still don't have that top end talent. We know that, but it's starting to come around. And Reese Beekman, I'm telling you guys, we said at the beginning of the season, he is really, really good. And he hit a massive he shot. Guard. Those two really guards. Guard. They are awesome defensively. Kihei and Beekman, I'll put that backcourt against any backcourt in the country defensively. Now, again, they're limited a little bit on the offensive end, especially Kihei. But, 
man, I'm telling you, if Virginia gets in like a first four, you do not want to see the Virginia Cavaliers because Tony Bennett is still an elite level coach. One of the probably, I don't know, top five coaches in the game right now. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. And just to give a, a thought on Virginia's metrics, they entered the evening with a net of 88. One and four against quadrant one. So now you're two and four. Your net's going to spike. I would expect that it gets into the 70s tomorrow. And that has you in the equation. They're seven and oh against quad four. So it's not like they have a demoralizing loss. They are two and three against quadrant three. So that's where you would get nicked up. But there is time. It's not like there's a lot of resume chances in the ACC. The question is, T.O., do you still believe that Duke will win the ACC regular season championship? It's going to be close. And considering the fact that they're tied with Notre Dame right now, and there's not a whole lot, it's going to come down to a lot of head-to-head matchups with these top three. I mean, Wake Forest is a half game out of first place. Who would have thought that was going to happen? But – Duke has more talent than anybody. It's how they're going to proceed through this. Are they going to go through a cold spell? That's what scares me because you're a young team. you got to figure those things out on the fly. I like Duke. I think they're the most talented team. And keep in mind, too, guys, ACC champions, that's not the regular season champions. What's considered ACC champions is tournament champions. So moving in, I think that's the goal for them moving forward, obviously. And they're going to be much better off, even if they do have to take some lumps, like they did tonight with A.J. Griffin. Uh, if this team didn't win an ACC regular season title, that would be a failure. I'm not it sure it'd be a failure. Yeah, it would. You're not sure it would be a failure. There, there would be a major failure. There's Are so much more talent. That's not you're the goal. About five NBA players in their team. The ACC but, stakes this year. They but what's the goal? To a to a regular well, season the, title. The goal is a national championship. But if you talk to any coach, they'll tell you they want a regular season title over a conference tournament title. Yeah, there's something to be said there. There's something to be said there. I'll backtrack. I'll backtrack. It would be. It would not be good. They obviously are the most talented team. They should walk to it, but they are young, and they need to go through those things. So in order to win those big ones at the end, sometimes you got to put away the immediate. That's all I'm saying. One of the, the most shocking statistics you will find, period, and I'm not a huge stat guy, but it is the fact that Duke has not won an ACC regular season yeah. title since 2010. That is – that's amazing. I mean, think about 12 years and Tony Bennett has owned the league. I don't have the updated numbers, but he was like 15 games better over the last eight years than Coach K, 25 games better than Roy, and like 35 games better than Beheim. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's an insane number. And again, like, I know what's Virginia? They're nine and five right now. So they're still two games behind uh, Notre Dame and, and Duke. I'm not counting it out. I'm not counting Virginia and Tony Bennett out. I don't think he can do it. But if anybody can pull it off and and continue the reign over the ACC, it is Tony Bennett and Virginia. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and Armand Franklin's coming along too. Like he started out a little bit rough. He's getting more comfortable. Gardner has turned out. He's been able to knock down some shots from right around that free throw line area. I thought he played well. Jaden Gardner's not bad. Like, like undersized, oh, no. sure, but he figures way. He figures ways to be uh, effective. I mean, he, but it was the bigs. The bigs were the difference tonight, and they just took it to Carolina, uh, to Duke in the in the first half. They just took it to him, drove it. You know, I mean, the crazy part is ball faked, ball faked all day. Yeah, and drove it and drove it, it. Drove and got it. into the bigs, and the bigs were able to finish around the paint, even when Mark Williams was in the game. 
So I, I thought that was huge. The other thing is Duke has protected the three-point line better than almost any team in the country this year. And again, it was just kind of fitting and apropos of it, like on the on the final play of the game, Mark Williams, and you could break it down better than, than us, Theo, because you played, but Mark Williams got caught up there and in no man's land. He didn't know where to go. He was just standing in the paint rather than jumping out and trying to contest that that wide open three by Beekman. Paulo jumped over and at least sort of contested it, but it was too late. Well, they cross-matched. So Kihei Clark was inbounding. They cross-matched. They put Mark Williams on the ball. That's not a comfortable position. And who do all these people say that you have to guard more than anybody with five or six seconds left? The guy inbounding. But you cross-match because you think you have an advantage with seven-foot-seven wingspan against five-foot-eight, generously five-foot-eight, and then he gets lost. That's just one of those things that happen. He just sinks back to his comfort zone. That's the three ball. And I think whenever Tony Bennett called that timeout coming in, they, they went out, they set up, they saw the cross match. He comes back in, brings those guys back in. I'd be shocked if he didn't see a little bit of that about to occur. Yeah. Hey, Caden Shedrick, that's as good of a game as he's played all season. 16 and 6, 8 of 8 from the field. Here's my question here is, as we close down our first segment here, Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84. John Fanta, Jeff Goodman, Terrence Oglesby with you. Jeff. If there is a big picture concern for Duke in the NCAA tournament, what is that concern? You know, it, it still to me might be point guard play, and, and Jeremy Roach has been uh, much better. But it's still, again, inability to understand who needs the ball at the end of a game here tonight. Like, I get it. You've got a lot of guys that can – do different things, but it's clear as day to me now your go-to guy should be Paulo and your second guy should be Griffin. Those are your guys. It's funny because Wendell Moore was so valuable earlier in the season, and now he's become a really, really valuable piece. But ultimately, it's up to the point guard and obviously Kay to be able to make sure that Paulo can take advantage of, of matchups and his skill set. Like you said, T.O., face him up. He makes good decisions with the basketball. Face him up around, you know, around the foul line. Find that kind of seam within within Virginia's defense and let him let him read the defense and make a play. Yeah, it, it all comes down to where he gets the ball because that's how teams have had success against Virginia by entering the ball into the post from the top of the key. Because as soon as you throw it in from the side, they're coming because the rotations are so good. If I'm looking at this Duke team in the tournament, the first thing I'm doing is trying to get Mark Williams in foul trouble. Because as soon as he goes out, there's a massive drop-off. And I love the energy that Theo John gives you. I love his physicality. He gives you a little bit of an edge, a lot, kind of like a Steven Adams role, if you will. But it's, it's 10 to 12, 15 minutes max. More than that, there's a big drop-off. Because I think Mark Williams provides a lot for you offensively, too. The ability just to throw it up there. So Mark Williams in the tournament, if he gets in foul trouble on the wrong night, it could be disastrous for Duke. They didn't have Griffin in there. They didn't have a floor spacer. They really don't have another guy that you can no. count on to make threes. So there are multiple issues that can rear their ugly head against Duke. I feel like they almost made those issues come to fruition a little bit more than, than they needed to tonight. Yep. yep. And on a night where Virginia hits two three-pointers, they still come away with a win at Cameron Indoor. 
Absolutely uh, just something. And it speaks volumes about the kind of coach Tony Bennett is. We're going to take a break here on Sirius XM Channel 84. Feel the 68 after dark. Up next, what did we learn about Kansas and Texas tonight? And what to make of the Big 12 in this final month of the regular season and going forward? This is the Feel the 68 after dark. Sirius XM Channel 84. Clear for 90. Jeff, hey Jeff your audio, go, your so audio Jeff, is off. So, Jeff, just go to, you yeah. know, you're on Zoom. On Zoom, click that arrow button by the mute yeah. microphone. And yeah. for yeah. select a microphone, go to Sure MV7. Or not Sure S H U R E. Should be plugged uh, in. Oh, well, I'm not on there. Shit. Is it yeah. Again? Might not All right. Have, All right. I'll you're go. fine. I'll, it was only I'll really, it was it only, it was only bad on the last one. It's okay. Is that better? How's that? Much yes, better. You're, much you're better, much better. Okay, we have questions in the chat. All right, let's go. Um, here we go. One minute. Eric, Eric Jorgensen asked, could Arizona be even better next season? Hmm. I talked to Tommy Lloyd about that, and he said he thinks they can be preseason top five. I mean, they're going to lose Matherin. They may bring everybody else back from this team, and I'm telling you, uh, they think they're going to really get some dudes recruiting wise so yes they could be better absolutely especially second year under tommy lloyd's system a little more comfortable matt Thurin's a pro but he's been inconsistent wow texas with the basketball seconds. down by one 35 seconds left here and trey mitchell had banked in a three the previous possession literally yeah. banked it in it was a prayer 20 seconds and they no, get some to the basket elbow the, oh texas he, leads did uh did he talk to you, Jeff, about if he's going to do the portal or go after high Ten. school kids? How's he going to attack that? I think it's going to be more high school kids. Big big shot there by Five, Timmy Allen. Two, one. Feel the sixty-eight after dark. Sirius XM Channel eighty-four is the place. ESPNU station. John Fanta, Terrence Oglesby, Jeff Goodman with you. And in this 11 o'clock hour on the East Coast, we have a Big 12 affair going right down to the wire in Austin, Texas, up one on Kansas, 77-76. Jayhawks with the basketball with 18.5 seconds to go. Jeff Goodman, your thoughts on the way that this game has shaped out? Well, it's a, it's a huge game for Texas right now because if you look at their, their schedule down the stretch, it is brutal. I'm going to see them actually in Waco, on Saturday, so they go at Baylor, at Oklahoma, Texas Tech at home, TCU at home, as, at West Virginia, Baylor at home, and at Kansas. So there's not there's not many two games you not too many games you could circle in the Big Twelve right now and say that's that's a win. Uh, they need this one desperately. They lost at home to Kansas State, and again, this is a game they don't win too many games in the seventies. Most of the games that Texas wins our grinders in the 60s. So I think it, it will prove to Beard and Texas that they can win a game against a big-time opponent like Kansas playing a little bit more up-tempo than they're used to playing. I think what's significant about this game is Timmy Allen's 11 for 17 from two. Hadn't taken a three, and a lot of them have been mid-range jumpers. Coming into the season, I thought Texas was going to score. I thought that was going to be the biggest yes. difference between this team and Chris Beard's last few teams at Texas Tech. They just haven't been able to do it consistently, and they haven't guarded. Tonight, they have guarded. They forced, I want to say, 12 or 13 turnovers in the first half. Now, KU's cleaned that up, 
But it's uh, if they can force turnovers, they can get out and run, and then they have the athletes to be, or their guards are fast enough to be able to do it. Not great athletes, but they're really fast. So then you can score in transition. Some this is a huge game for Texas. I, it, more than anything else, it's it's affirmation that they can compete, and I'm not sure that they've really been able to do that so far this year. The horns I'm, come I'm up behind with again. Stop. Well, look, we're hey, we're going to give you some play by play here. The horns come up. With the stop, 6.8 seconds left, they're going to head to the free throw line. So that that's interesting because right now, instead of what we thought would happen, which was Kansas would have the ball in Remy Martin's hands, right? One yes. of the biggest transfer additions in the offseason coming over from Arizona State. Instead, it's Dewan Harris. And he yep. drives and he loses the ball against Marcus Carr. And, and this is an issue. This is something that, again, we thought their point guard situation for Kansas was going to be maybe not elite level, but a major upgrade and Bill Self really wanted to add speed at that position with Remy Martin. And right now he's got, honestly, Dewan Harris is great defensively, but he, he's kind of a non-shooter and a non-scorer. Yeah, I think that that's... Kind of shocked that ball didn't go to Ochai. How, 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 or, how, like, how do you not get the ball into national play of the year? Yeah. How does it not? Or Christian Brown. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, but at least if Ochai Baji has the ball... It could go to a weak side shooter like a Christian Brown, or or you don't know. You get something to the basket too. You've got McCormick potentially on a on a rebounding opportunity. David McCormick's played well tonight. He's six to ten from the field, sixteen and seven. Wilson's got eighteen and eleven. I mean, I actually am going to give Texas credit here, Jeff, because I thought that Texas overall was kind of soft. To to be candidly honest, I think well, that they're Christian, good at home. They're good, They're at, good home. at home. Other than the Kansas State game, they've been flawless at home so far. So I, I think, again, 79 points for Texas, that, that's, I don't want to say unheard of, but they don't do that very often because they really have only a couple guys that can beat you off the, off the bounce, Marcus Carr being one of them. Timmy Allen's a terrific player. I almost feel like they should be playing more two-man game with those two, with mm. Carr and Timmy Allen than they've done. Those are your two best players. Make sure they get the the brunt of the shots. And, and to me, again, Texas is done. I think Timmy Allen is their best player. Marcus Carr is three for 13 tonight. He Here's hasn't my- brought it, but Trey Mitchell was good early. They've gotten some production from some guys that hadn't generally done it. And the other part, guys, is Jaron Howard, who's got the scout for Texas, was an assistant for Kansas for 10-plus years. So he, he knows this Jayhawks team pretty well. Here's my question. Is Kansas – a final four caliber team. Sure. Yeah. I, I think so. They not be? Yeah. Yeah. They, they have some of the best wings in the country with Brown and Agbaji. Like those two were, are going to be able to string some games together. And guys, it's six games. They can win three or four of them. Like, let's be honest. And David McCormick, hey, if he plays like he did tonight, just physical and he's just there. He's just existing. We just need him to exist. He doesn't need to be great. He needs to exist because those perimeter players can carry you. Here's the follow up. Remy Martin, but it's almost, it feels yeah. like it's almost getting too late now. He's hurt. And obviously, there were some issues with Bill Self trying to deprogram Remy Martin, the ASU Remy Martin. Hey, that's um, hard, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's hard because he's been in a system for four years. You're going to take him over for one. Like, it's not going to work. Like, it, it, here's the thing with transfers you almost have to take them for what they are immediately because they're not going to be able to change much. And I understand what Coach Self is no choice. To do. No, yeah, he had no choice there. He's saying to himself, I got to get a quick guard. That was his big thing when I was talking to him in the offseason was like, we have no speed. 
We have no mm. speed. We're not getting anything easy in transition. He felt like, you know what? Remy can give him that, but Remy's been been difficult. All right, Texas gets the win, and uh, I'm excited because I'm going to see Texas coming off a big win uh, in Waco Saturday against a Baylor team that is going to need a win uh, to kind of get back on track. Texas wins 79-76 over Kansas. Jayhawks suffered just their fourth loss of this season, now 19 19- and four, I guess the follow-up then is because, look, the obvious answer is yes, Cal- Kansas is a Final Four caliber Ross, uh, Final Four caliber team. But, Jeff, you brought this up before we hit air tonight. I think it's really an interesting point. What Bill Self continues to do at Kansas with a different level of player beyond Ochai Agbaji this year, it bears noting what he's been able to do considering the fact that point guard play – we often talk about in college basketball, that's what it revolves around. They, that's very inconsistent for Kansas. I have said this for years, and Kansas fans have fought me on it for years now. The NCAA investigation has hampered, hindered Kansas more than any other team in the country. Why? They're an Adidas school. Adidas got – listen, Adidas didn't have a ton of players before the FBI investigation. Now they're completely decimated. So there's nothing. So Nike is not going to help send a kid to Kansas, an Adidas school. There's very few elite-level players that are playing on the Adidas circuit. So it's going to hurt them even more. Look at Ochai. Their best player was, like, ranked 300th coming out of high school. They don't have any, pro like, lock pros. Ochai's turned himself into one. But let's face it, like, this, the talent on these rosters the last couple of years has not been Kansas-like at all. No, uh, we we when we went back to uh, we were all in Champions Classic in New York and we were all talking to Coach Self and his whole team. It was like I made a joke like, "Well, I never got a call from Kansas." And then I went back and looked at that roster. No, no shit, I didn't go to get a call from Kansas. Right. Man, yeah. I looked back. It was like Mario Chalmers, Brandon Rush, Dar- oh, Darrell Author. That's like what I'm saying these I'm rosters the aren't roster. like that. Yeah, they're yes. not like that anymore. They're not like that anymore. And whenever they were national ch- championship good every year, like those guys were loaded to the brim with five stars. They don't have that. And what's more impressive about anything, guys? How good Bill Self is at getting these teams that don't have the same level of talent. And here we are talking about them being potentially Final Four good which is nuts because of bill self of co- all because of uh brother yep. self yep here here's a telling we we talk about not getting too far into the weeds statistically but texas in bench points tonight they outscored kansas 32 to 10 like we thought that certain transfers for kansas would be impactful the, the fact yeah. is joseph yesifu played better tonight but overall he's been a disappointment right he hasn't played i mean yesifu we thought because of the NCAA tournament um, for Drake that that he was going to be a guy who could come in and play major minutes and be a you know guard. And especially now, again, without Remy Martin, you thought for sure Yesifu would have an opportunity. And and he's been virtually non-existent uh, for the season. Again, they've got good wings. They need Remy Martin, and without him, I don't know. I don't think they can win six straight. I think they can get to the Final Four but I don't think you can win six straight unless you have the Remy Martin, not Arizona state Remy, at least the Remy Martin who can impact two or three games in, in the NCAA tournament. The, the spurtability of Remy Martin is what this That's team right. missed tonight. Yeah. I mean, the That's fact right. that Remy, whenever he gets going 10 points, he can do it in a matter of four minutes. That's what this team misses. They don't have somebody. 
Ocha is going to be good the entire 40 minutes, but he's going to do it. I'm going to have four points before the first media, two points next. Like it's going to be a gradual thing. Remy can flip the game on its head because of his talent level and not his talent level, but the manner in which he plays. I think that's the biggest thing too. All right. We're reacting live uh, Texas over Kansas 79, 76 Longhorns have won five of six. So I'm going to pitch the question to you both. And we'll start with T.O. here. The Big 12 team that you believe in the most during this year's NCAA tournament will be? With or without Remy Martin is a big question. Like, is he going to be able to, you know, is he going to be? Go with with a healthy, go with a a healthy and body Remy Martin. That doesn't mean healthy in mind. That means healthy in body. So an emotionally unstable Remy Martin with healthy go. legs. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Okay, so let me let me uh, let me just preface all that with this: if that's the case, and he's able to give you two or three games, I really like Kansas in the tournament because the big around the wings, they're physical. They're going to be able to guard. Point guard play's been okay, but they can be consistent enough. And I have faith in Bill Self. The other team, though, guys, Baylor, if they're healthy, sure. Texas Tech. I'm going Baylor. I, I I'm with Baylor. you on Baylor. I love Baylor too. I love them. I've loved them all year. But Texas Tech, in the tournament, that big physical body where the whistles aren't coming along as frequently because you got to play more games, you got to keep it going, keep it going. The physicality of Texas Tech, I think you can look forward to as being a team that every single night during the NCAA tournament, they're going to just beat you up, and it can come from any different spot. I really like this Texas Tech team. So here's what I'll say about Baylor, is we have seen a Baylor team that has been absolutely banged up over the last three weeks Mm -hmm. now. LJ Cryer, missed games, not healthy. Akinjo missed games, has come back, has not looked like himself. If you can get this team healthy again, you know, Flagler missed time. They had two guards for a game last week, and their second guard was a transfer from Division II Fairmont State. Okay? So yep. they haven't had their, their, their true perimeter. So Matthew Meyer has not done what we thought he'd do this year. No. But when they've got all their dudes, Meyer doesn't need to. All he yes. needs to do is have two games in the NCAA tournament where he shows up and shows out because yeah. it's going to – Kendall Brown, you got Sohan who's, who missed time as well. I mean, come on. We cannot judge Baylor in the last no. three weeks. They have not had a healthy team, and I'm not sure they're going to have one when I see them on Saturday against Texas. Yeah, a good point. And here's the other thing. At this time last year – we did not think of Baylor on the level that they ended up being at, which was the national champion. We thought they had it in them, but they have gone through such a nasty COVID pause. We didn't see them for a period of time. And then we were sitting there at the end saying, man, if they didn't go through that pause, we could have proclaimed them as, as one of, if not the best college basketball team we've seen in the last 20 years. That pause really derailed them. They've been so banged up. Uh, that it's hard to accurately judge the Bears, but we know this much, on their best day, they could cut down the nets, T.O. Well, it's, it's completely changed the way they play their injuries. Like, L.J. Cryer is just another guy that can get in into the paint and create a chain of events. James Akinjo's had to dribble the ball too much. This is a team that thrives off ball movement, and one guy getting into the paint and the ball – skipping around the perimeter and guys attack closeouts. That's what Matthew Meyer is good at. He's had to do more this year, which is why, quite frankly, guys, I think he's underperformed because of that. He's tried to do a little bit too much with LJ Cryer back in the mix. 
James Akinjo doesn't have as much ball handling responsibilities. Then guys kind of get moving and you can create better opportunities for guys to attack closeouts. And that's where Meyer could be really, really good come the tournament. They have to get healthy. We're getting late in the year. They have to get healthy. If they're healthy, without a question, their Final Four National Championship good. But they have to be completely healthy. Fascinating discussion about the Big 12. This is the Field of 68 after dark. Up next, we hop on the coaching carousel. Jeff Goodman looks like he could play a game for somebody right now. He's rocking Ready. a headband. You like the look? The Kerr-Kreesa look? <laughs> you got it far, but you got to push back like LeBron, though. Like, it's way – like, it's yeah, – like, you do up? Yeah, he's way back. He's, like, back mid. Like, up. Yeah, this like is that. thrilling radio How's right that? now. For, <laughs> he looks fantastic. Is, for those who are listening on Sirius XM Channel 84, Jeffrey Goodman is wearing a Nike headband in O2 Kirk. Not just Cre- any. No, 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 no. Not just any. Tell him to you. That's this was the Kirk Creasa. Yeah. Right. This the is Kirk Creasa's Kirk Creasa's sweat is on that headband. No, so. I washed it. He didn't. No, we didn't. He didn't wash it. I washed. He didn't wash it. We'll hit on Arizona soon, and we will take a ride on the coaching carousel. Which job is the most desirable? Which job could become the most desirable come this off season? That's up next. This is the Field of Sixty Eight After Dark, Sirius XM Channel Eighty Four. Clear for ninety. Okay, we have questions that have come in from Atlantic, from 82 Atlantic. How high would Loyola Chicago finish in the ACC? Top three. I'm not, I'm not sold on that. I I think somewhere between like three and six. I'm not sure Loyola is as good as what, what people uh, are giving them credit. We'll see. I mean, they've, they've played with a lot of fire over the last month or so. And if you look at their wins, it's not like they they blow you away by any means. No, I, I saw those guys in person in the Bahamas. I would say between four and eight. One minute. Because they have so many guys that can shoot the ball. But athletically, I think the night in, night out grind of a power conference, would yeah. they would have a hard time with. But going into the tournament, they could win games because they can shoot it on a one game off, right? Yep. From Jet Rogers, Big 12 titles up for grabs. Who's going to win it? Again, we, we, we t- I'm going Baylor. Uh, T.O. is going uh, Kansas, right? Yep. I'm staying. I'm sticking with Kansas. Okay. I'm going to lean with Baylor, too. I just 30 I seconds. Think, I think Baylor's best is better than Kansas's best. That's just where Healthy. that's just where Healthy. we stand. Yeah, Healthy. of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. Are we talking thing, about though. the ter- are we talking about the big 20 seconds regular season? There you go. Well, there I, you I, go, I, we're Bell. talking regular there season. You go. What's that's that, Jeff? You. Somebody asked me to, to do a Kerr uh, kiss. <laughs> 10 Kerr, seconds. Kerr, uh, I need more swagger, though. I need more swagger for, for five, two. Deep into the night, the field of 68 after dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84, the ESPNU station, John Fanta, Terrence Oglesby, Jeff Goodman with you. Duke goes down to Virginia. Kansas goes down to Texas. A big Tuesday looms, folks. Illinois and Purdue, an epic rematch of what was a thriller on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We'll get to that a little bit deeper into the show. But let's hop on to the coaching carousel. We know that Maryland and Louisville jobs are open. Jeff Goodman, where do you stand on the coaching carousel at the moment? Pick a pony. 
Well, let, let's start with those two. Let's start with those two, and I'll tell you some of the names I've been hearing. Um, I tweeted one of them from Maryland the other night, and that's Andy Enfield. I, I think he's he's a guy who's from the Northeast. He's done a, a heck of a job at USC, and I think it started with making the right hires when he got the job at USC. Went from Florida Gulf Coast, didn't know the West Coast, and hired Jason Hart and Tony Bland. Obviously, it didn't work out with Tony Bland, but then he replaced them with uh, Papa Mobley, and Papa Mobley brought in two pretty good players. So I would do that 100 out of 100 times. Uh, I, I think, again, other names you're going to look at at Maryland or Kevin Willard, uh, Seton Hall, maybe a Wes Miller. And I've said, I've, I've been on record saying the guy I would go after for the Maryland job, I'd make a run at Ed Cooley. I don't think Ed Cooley would take it. I think if he would take any job, it would be Georgetown in the league if it opened up. And we can talk about that in a minute. But I would, I would make him an offer that would be very, very difficult for him to refuse. And Maryland, if you can get Kevin Plank on board with it, they can certainly do that if they want to from, from Under Armour. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with Maryland. Any other names you guys uh, would like to add that you would, you would go after? My question is, 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 has Seton Hall going not been as hot as of late? Does that affect Willard's status or not really? I don't think it should. I don't think he's at the top of the list anyway. I think they're going to swing for, you know, some bigger names. But again, a lot of these guys aren't going. NATO says a, a $11 million buyout. You can't get him. You know, yeah, but- Chris Holtman's not going to Maryland. So, you know, you're going to have to, if you're Maryland, that's the one thing. Most of these top coaches either have big buyouts or they're happy where they're at. And in Louisville, I'll, I'll transition into Louisville here a little bit where people would think it's, it, and it is when it's, when it's whole and there are no issues with Louisville and they have an athletic director and they have a president and they're not under NCAA investigation still waiting for the sanctions to come down, then it's a top five job in the country. But right now it's not, it's not a top five job. It's probably not even a top 20 job the way it is right now. You're not getting Scott Drew to come from Baylor to Louisville, not knowing who his athletic director is going to be. So to me, the, the, the leading candidate there is Kenny Payne, who played there, uh, revered there, was an assistant at Kentucky for years under John Calipari, went to the Knicks a little over a year ago as an assistant coach. He's got incredible relationships with a lot of the former players uh, at Kentucky and obviously other players now in the NBA uh, having worked there the last year. The key for him will obviously be getting a staff in there, getting somebody in there that can probably a veteran head coach, but I would love to see the battle between Kenny Payne recruiting and John Calipari down the road. And I would love to see who worldwide West, who really doesn't have a lot of juice anymore, but who does he uh, align himself with? Cause I think it might be Kenny Payne and not Cal. That'd be interesting. I, and the thing is, is too, is after going back and looking at some of these Louisville recruiting classes, they haven't been great in a while. And it's all because of the NCAA thing. Like yes. it, it, it takes time. It, like the punishment with the NCAA is all in the waiting. Yeah. Because it just yeah. delays and delays and delays. What has it been? Five years. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. insane. Chris yeah, Mack never insane. coached a game without, without any sort yeah. of, you know, cloud hanging over the program. Mm-hmm. Will Chris Mack coach again? So he, he has told me he's retired. Right. I don't believe him. And, and again, Listen, it's all fresh right now. It's all fresh. So you could say what you want now. He'll have five different calls uh, fielding, you know, interest from him 
right away come March. So I don't think he'll get back in now, Fana, but I, I think a year from now, two years from now. I mean, what do you do if you're 51? I know he's got a ton of money. What are you going to do? He's got right. he's got two girls that are in high school that are a little bit older that are volleyball players. He's got a, a young son. I think he'll get back in. I still think it's in his blood, but it's been it's been tough for him. I can tell you what he's doing right now. He's on his way to Los Angeles for the Super Hell Bowl. Hell yeah. For yes, the Bengals game. There big you go. Joe Burrow fan. Here's one big thing on the Maryland position. And Jeff, you and I yeah. had some discussions uh, about this particular job. Selling Under Armour requires a certain guy to be able to say, Steph Curry wears Under Armour. This is very, very different from Nike. In a, in a large way. And Under Armour has lost some of their original schools that really helped them make that climb. And, and th- there's very few Under Armour schools to begin with today. Explain how crucial that is, because I don't feel like the casual fan has any understanding of what that means here. I, I spent 20 minutes trying to talk to a bunch of knucklehead kids in Lubbock that couldn't understand that kids recruits do not want to wear Under Armour or Adidas. They all want to wear Nike. What I told them was Kevin Durant, because we were talking about the Texas tech job compared to the Texas job. And I said, here's the difference. Kevin Durant, he would never in a million years play in Lubbock, Texas, not necessarily because of Lubbock, Texas. Now, again, that's going to be tough for him too, because it is, you know, again, you got to connect through Dallas. You can't, you know, it's a tough drive, but it's more because he is never going to play for an Under Armour school. So ultimately that's where it hurts, you know, the Maryland's that's where, again, Adidas, you know, Kansas is hurt with Adidas. Louisville's hurt with, with Adidas over the years. So it is a big deal with these kids. They want to play for Nike. They want to wear Nike. And, and like you said, I, I coached on the Adidas circuit. We had a young man named Julian Phillips. That so was really good. But the talent is – it's much further spread yes. apart. I mean, Deeper. to where yeah. – like if you go to Peach Jam, for example, you're seeing probably five or six high major kids on that team. When you go to Adidas, you're probably seeing one or two, right? It was then when 80 you go to of under- the 100. I think I looked at it. I think it was 80 of the top 100 kids were Nike kids over the last couple of years. That's right. I mean, it, it, it matters significantly. And, you know, it's just part of it. And it's just the talent disbursement. Under Armour is talking about getting rid of I've, – I've heard, I don't know this for a fact, but getting rid of their summer circuit just because it is what it is. And But most kids want to go to Nike because they want to play in Peach Jam. And then that escalates into something else. I played for a Nike team when I was growing up. Like, it's just part oh, of I it. I remember. Never <laughs> pass. Never I remember. Pass. Hey, fan, I remember seeing T.O. back in, in AU ball. I swear, I never – he never passed the ball. Never passed the ball. <laughs> That's not true, man. Hey, <laughs> to young T.O. Young was jacked. Young, young T.O. could let it fly. Let and it fly, I, and, man, he was – I think I once saw you hit nine threes in an AU. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was, is I, I, definitely shot nine, I definitely shot nine threes. just a matter of which game you caught me at. I think you shot 27 it. threes that game. No chance. That's about <laughs> 33%. Are you kidding me? Don't you just – what are we talking about? T.O., what's, what's your career high? I don't care if it's AAU, high school, college. Terrence Oglesby, Jeff Goodman, John Fanta, Sirius XM Channel, Lady 4, Field of 68 After Dark. T.O., wearing the Clemson jersey in this background. What's your career high? <laughs> in high school, it was 57. And. College, it was 25. I think I had 25 at South Carolina and then the pros. I 
I don't know, had a couple 40-point games over there. Here, here's my question for Goodman. So, Goodman, you've been to Peach yeah. Jams. You've been to Circuits. You've been to everything. This, this is, this is a, a loaded question here, but i got to ask you, what is the single best AAU performance that you've just ever seen live where you watch somebody, it could have been 20 years ago, and you were like, holy you-know-what, I can't believe what I just saw. Yeah, I mean, it might have been LeBron against like Lance Stevenson. Okay, uh, ABCD camp was where it was at. It had the, it, it was at FDU and T. That was a Reebok. That was Reebok. Yeah, exactly. And 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 again, it was it was uh, Sonny Vaccaro, and and he knew how to promote it too. Like that was the one thing you he knew how to promote it so well that you would have a matchup between Sebastian Telfair and Darius Washington that that was like. The most Bally who you thought you were seeing a matchup between like if LeBron and Jordan had played against oh each other. That's how big they built that thing up and got it going. Um, I listen, LeBron, LeBron against Lance. I mean, he like ate his lunch. And Lance thought he was a shit then. You know, he's in, in his backyard in New York. He was the next big thing coming up. And man, LeBron just punked the crap out of him. I saw Kevin Durant and Ty Lawson were on the same team playing oh. for DC Blue Devils. Yeah. And they had another, and they played Boo Williams. And Grievous Vasquez was on Boo Williams. It was Scotty Reynolds, Duke Cruz, and Vernon Macklin, who played at Florida. Like that was a great team. And yeah. Kevin Durant killed everybody. It was so far and away the best. But this was in New Orleans before Katrina, the year before Katrina. Wow. And like it was unbelievable. He, he couldn't have weighed 165 pounds, Jeff. I saw I mean, KD at 14 when he was at National Christian before he even started going to Montrose or Oak Hill. And I'm telling you, back then, right, he was probably 150 pounds. And first of all, he was the quietest kid you'll ever talk to. I remember, I think I did the first interview ever with him, and he didn't say two words. So it's kind of cool to watch him grow up. But, man, you could just see it. He, he had that stroke when he was 14 and weighed up a buck 50. Love the AAU stories. That's just some fun stuff. Hey, up next, we play this or that. Oscar Shibway or Kofi Coburn? We're going to get into that and much more coming up. It's Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84. This or that next. Blue for 90. Okay. From Donnie Kuzma. When does Sean Miller get another job? I think he gets Pittsburgh in a year. He's got to get through the NCAA stuff. I, I, I do. I think not this year, but I think in a year, NCAA comes down with something probably, I don't know, September, October. He, he's a former Pitt star. And I think they decide, hey, you know what? Once this stuff's behind him. And listen, if Bruce Pearl got two games and he was a repeat offender, why should Sean Miller get – I know he had some academic stuff that, that went on in the program. One minute. But he's got the same one-level one violation that yeah. Bruce Pearl had. Yeah, he should coach again. And, and oh, yeah. I don't think it's, it's going to be long. From Walker Homestrad, T.O., can the Big Ten – can they? Yeah. But do you think the Big Ten will break the 20-year tournament skid without a title? It's just the top. I mean, Illinois could, Purdue could, in theory. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Top end talent, guys. 30 top seconds. end talent. Co Kofi Coburn is that, but top end talent on the wings, <laughs> I think, is going to do it. Wait, from Keith Keller, 
Oh, no. Keith 20 Keller, seconds. Keith Keller says, how about Brad Brownell to Maryland? Uh, no. No, Brad's just got to keep his job. 10 seconds. But, yeah, I mean, you got if you're Maryland and Louisville, you got to shoot high. You got to get this right, and you got to have alignment in your departments. All right, here we go. Two, one. Oh, it's the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We are presented by the fine folks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A huge Tuesday slate is ahead. One of those games is Illinois and Purdue, the rematch at Mackey Arena, set for Tuesday night, 9 Eastern time. I'm John Fanta, Terrence Oglesby, Jeff Goodman, are with me here on Sirius XM Channel 84. So let's jump right into it. A game of this or that. You have to take one. You have to tell us why. Jeff Goodman in tomorrow night's rematch, Illinois or Purdue? Uh, the Boilermakers. And it's an easy one for me because they got two dudes that can throw at Big Kofi, number one. Number two, have you been to Mackey Arena for a big game? It's a top five environment. You know, to me, it, it's Duke, Kansas, and then you can throw a bunch of other schools in there. Mackey's right there. So I'm going Purdue. You know, they're going to bring the noise because uh, it was Purdue like 80% uh, men and 20% women. It's all a bunch of frustrated boys up there in that student no wonder, section hey, going bizarre. No wonder why Hummel was so uh, upset. <laughs> Purdue. He was angry the whole time he was there. Angry. Uh, <laughs> uh, here, here's what worried me about the first matchup. Not so much that one team played a certain way. It was how Kofi Coburn did with guys his size. Right. It wasn't exactly. good. It wasn't good. That's what worries me more than anything. Uh, we're gonna. I'm going to bring up a name. I'm going to bring up a name. He's got to play well. He's got to be a lightning rod. Andre Corbello has to play well for them to have a chance. He has to. And the reason I'm saying that is because Purdue, they have a tendency to let guards get in the paint and let guards have it their way. If he plays well and he does his sporadic thing, I think they could compete. I'm going Purdue, though, because size against size, they just have more of it. Hey, it might have been his return game, but Curbelo did his sporadic thing in the first meeting between these two mm-hmm. teams, and it didn't matter. Travion Williams was too much down the stretch, and Purdue won in Champaign. So the rematch Tuesday night. This or that. Let's stay with the fighting Illini, one particular player. T.O., Kofi Coburn or Oscar Shibway? I had to pull them up, but it's, I mean, you want to talk about splitting hairs. The only difference between the two is about four and a half rebounds a game, and that's Oscar Shibway. And Kofi Coburn's a better scorer, probably a more skilled offensive player. So you're taking four rebounds or you're taking six points. It's one or the other. I, Oscar's relentless in his ability to stay out of foul trouble. His ability to, but But. he just can't score like he just can't score like Kofi. I don't. That's splitting hair, guys. Here's what I would say. He, he, yes, he can stay out of foul trouble. But Kofi is Kofi makes. I'm telling you, Kofi makes Oscar look small. He makes him look small. And if you get the ball into Kofi, I don't think Oscar stands a chance. And I'll just go with like, like almost like it's a UFC fight. I'm going to take Kofi because he is bigger and stronger. I, I love Oscar to death, but I'm, I'm, I'm going with. Are you Kofi sure he's here. stronger? Because she boy Maybe is not so stronger, strong, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> he's bigger, man. He's probably 30. Yeah, he's, he's probably he's, got 30 pounds on him. Yep. Yep. All right. This or that. I am fascinated to have this discussion. 
Goodman, this or that, metrics or resume? Resume, resume, resume. Like, no question for me. I say it all the time. Like, this <laughs> Providence shit blows me away. What are they right now in the net, Fana? What are they? I'm getting it up right now, but it's not, it's, it's not it's a joke. that kind. They're, I mean, they were in the, they were sitting in the net. In, in the, in, in okay. Ken in the net, they're 26. But again, they're 20 and two, and they're 26 in the net. In you know what Ken they are in Kempom? You know oh, what they are in uh, Kempom? They 41. are. Yeah. 41. They're behind, ready? They're behind Wyoming. They're behind Utah State. They're behind UAB. They're behind Boise State. They're behind Washington State. They're behind San Francisco. They're behind Murray State. They are, how about this? They are 20 spots behind the Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, it's garbage. It's absolute effing garbage. I get it. It's predictive. They're basically saying like Providence is going to lose in the NCAA tournament, I guess. I don't know. Maybe we should get Kenny Pompoms on here, who I love. And, and, and I've talked to Kenny many a times, and I don't understand the metrics. I don't understand them really at all. But, but ultimately, what I do understand is that Providence is not the 41st best team in the country based on what they've done going 20-2 and two and 10-1 and one in the Big East. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And they keep winning close games, and it's always somebody different for Providence. Right. Obviously, resume is the answer. But if you look at Providence's Kim Palm metrics, the reason they're bad is because the two losses they have had have been ass whoopings. Like you look at Virginia, you look at Marquette away, those were tail whippings. And what happens is, is because they're all their wins are close, it's going to slant their metrics one way. I completely agree with you. Resume over everything. In my opinion, right now, yes. Providence is a top 10 team because they just find ways to continue to win at the end. And it's always somebody different. It's not beautiful basketball. The metrics will allude to that but it's 40 minutes of grinding nonstop, like getting after you. And it's a, it's, it's all culture. Culture is not in the metrics boys. I feel like Ken Palm, again, I'd love to know from Kenny, but like how much of it is like preseason rankings, you know, and, and what they've done over the last couple of years, because Wisconsin is 31st. And again, nobody had Providence or Wisconsin up there. When do you flip it and say like, okay, it's February 1st. Let's throw all the BS out from, what we thought they were going to be, and let's just go on what they are. Yes, but you can't go off a preseason ranking. Not you can't now. go off preseason stuff. Not when there's four figures worth of transfers. Yeah, yes. how do you how do you accurately put together a preseason forecast when you have over a thousand transfers? And that's I not had Texas too. I had Texas too. Come on, I of course in I the missed. country, right? Yes, not in the Big Twelve in the country. Right. Here's the thing about Providence. You want your metrics, you want all your analytics, you want your numbers. I look at the stuff too and I see it. Here's the biggest metric. They are 8 and 0 in games decided by 6 points or less. When the going gets tough and they need to make something happen against Marquette, they make something happen. Their defense comes up with a stop. Aldura makes a big time play. Nate Watson has one of the dunks of the year. At Xavier Durham has the unselfish knack to find Jared Bynum for a clutch game-winning three. They are a very good team in late-game situations, and that's a credit to Ed Cooley. You know what the best quote I've heard is? Travis Steele told me this. He goes, what's unbelievable about Providence is you know what their offense is. You know what Al Skinner was able to, to put together, and you know what Ed Cooley puts together. That's what's downright scary about Providence. The book's out on them. 
You know what's coming, and they're still able to execute and win these games. Well, it's because th- not a lot of people run that flex. That that no. you know it's that's old. what makes it difficult. You can prepare for it all you want. It's kind of like I, I say with Mike Anderson and St. John's a little bit, and when he was at Arkansas, it takes a couple times. That first time when you play against a team like that, you're going to have difficulty. And then again, when you've seen him a couple times in the league, you, you start to get a little bit better. Uh, and, and again, Providence, what Cooley's done there this year is remarkable. All right, so speaking of which, if you're a Providence fan listening right now, we are not going to unveil the winner tonight, but next Tuesday, February 15th, it's an 8 Eastern time tip, Villanova's at Providence. It's the Big East game of the year. Jeff Goodman is going to grace his presence with the 12,000 or so humans at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I use the word, I use the word humans lightly. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence Overton. Wait till T.O. Wait till T.O. gets there. This isn't Clemson, T.O. Uh, no. hey, hey, look, we used to have some, we, we had some environments back when I played. That hasn't been like that in a long time in any ACC school. It hasn't been no. the same. I'm ready to get back up and see a Big East oh. full environment type so, situation. My first trip. T.O. is coming. I will be taking the Amtrak the morning of the 15th and making it to Providence. We will take a Friar fan out to dinner. Friar fans have been the subject of a lot of a lot of uh, picking and hatred this season from a, a lot of different people. If you Notice Doster's not coming. Yeah, Rob Doster's not invited. Found. He's not invited. <laughs> so we have a contest. If you subscribe to our Field of 68 YouTube channel and you screenshot it to us, then uh, we will pick one lucky fan to join us for dinner on the legendary Federal Hill. So that will be fantastic. Okay, this or that, quickly, rapid fire. We have two minutes left. This or that, T.O., at full strength, Kentucky or Auburn? Man, Auburn still has the best player on the floor no matter what. I know Ty Ty Washington, you need him at full strength. I think at Kentucky, Kentucky wins on a neutral floor. It's going to be really interesting, but give me Auburn on the neutral floor because you know where you should go with the ball. They didn't against Georgia, but they should. They might have been a learning experience for Bruce Pearl and his staff. Kentucky. Kentucky because of Ty Ty Washington. I think he'll be the difference maker. He's the best guard on the floor. Guards win in the NCAA tournament. So let's stay right there. This or that, Goodman. In the NCAA tournament, Jabari Smith or Ty Ty Washington? Um, Ty Ty, he's going to have the ball in his hands. You can just give him the ball at the end of a game. He can make a play. Hopefully they do that. Again, Severe Wheeler has the ball in his hands a lot. If I'm John Calipari, I don't know if I can play Severe a ton because he can't shoot it. I like uh, Jabari because he can extend over the top, and he's one of the best shooting big men in the country. He's probably the best shooting big man in the will, country. Will Wendell Green pass him the ball? That's the big. That's a big. That's a yeah. That's a big <laughs> if. Now that, that's why I do like Ty Ty in some of those situations. But if they can get it to Jabari, I'd pick him. I got 15 seconds. Number one, Auburn is at Arkansas tomorrow night. To who wins? Let's go Arkansas. They're fired up. Upset city. Must bust. Let's go. Ooh, Goodman. Five seconds. Auburn. They got the wake-up call against Georgia. They win. Auburn has not lost on the road this season. That is in store tomorrow. We're back with you at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Feel the 68 after dark. Sirius XM Channel 84 for T.O. Jeff Goodman. I'm John Fanta. (laughs) We are clear. It's time. Time for the afters. The headband is back. It's back. It's back. I like that. I, I like that, Goodman. I, I like that, Goodman. We didn't. We didn't agree on a single one. That's that's good. That's good. <laughs> we really didn't. No, Nothing. not one.
nothing. Damn, and we didn't even go. We weren't like first take where we like you go no. into the, the production meeting and you're like, all right, you take that one. I'll just go against you. We didn't do that yeah. with any of them. No, no, that, that was that was genuine. Yes, man. Hey, you know, it's interesting to me because Terrence, you do pick Arkansas. And right now, in, in a lot of bracket projections, Arkansas is hanging around the 8-9 line in, in that area. What They've been better make? lately. They've yeah, been better lately. Make? What do you make of the Razorbacks? It, it just takes a while. I think the transfer thing takes a while. You bring in all these guys for one year, it, it takes a second to get them adjusted. And you saw it tonight with Texas. They, they put up a good performance after struggling early in the season. It takes a while to kind of – what, what reverse engineer your players. You talk about Bill Self trying to do that with Remy Martin earlier, Jeff. Like, it takes time to do that. Now, when you take transfers in, you got to let them be who they are, obviously. I think a lot of coaches are learning that. But it takes time to get guys to play together and for coaches to figure out where they can be most effective. And I think Musselman, he can coach. That dude can coach. coach. I just don't think he'll he's figure got it enough. out. I don't think he's got enough high-level talent. Next year he will with Nick Smith. I would, lo- I would love to go to that home court advantage. I would man. love to go see the game there. That'd be awesome. Those fans are nuts, man. Those those Arkansas fans are about it. I mean, at the in in Indy last year, they probably had the best fans of any uh, of any fan base in Indy last yes. year. Yeah, it was impressive. Uh, let's talk about National Coach of the Year. It's one thing that we did not get to. No, we didn't. We didn't get to it. So, Jeff, where do you sit uh, for National Coach of the Year? All right, so I think can we go through the the candidates first, and then I'll yes. we'll we'll pick. But let tell me if I'm missing anybody here, or we can go around the room. Let's go around the room one at a time. To me, a, a guy that's got to be on the list is is Tommy Lloyd of the Arizona Wildcats. Um, yep. They're twenty and two now, uh, ten and one in the league, first place. Right. Rookie head coach. Everybody kind of was like, man, how can you? hire an assistant coach at Arizona. He's proven most people wrong. I actually thought it was a, a heck of a hire. So Tommy Lloyd, for me, he's got to be in the list. T.O.? Uh, I want to include Shaka Smart on that list. And it's are, – are we picking or are we just putting no. people on the list no, we're, right now? we're first going to go around the room, then we're going to pick. Yeah, I think uh, Shaka needs to be involved. Ed Cooley needs to be involved in yep. that list for what he's done. Uh, and th- there's a genuine point to be made about possibly not having a first-team All-Big East performer on the team. I mean, because they're so well-balanced. So him to be able to do that, uh, yeah, that's who I got so far. Curry just dm me that he, he's watching, I think, right now. So oh. He likes it. He likes – I can't pull it off like like you can, Kerr. But, but again, like – I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Well, look. Close. It, yeah, you no, you've done a nice job. And you threw that in the washer, just to clarify. You threw that in the washer. Well, Kerr said we asked him if he had lice. And I don't think he knew coming from Estonia, I don't think he knew what lice was. <laughs> but he said he did not have lice. So you asked him that? Yeah, we asked him if he had lice. Gotta make sure these days, you know? Like come on. I'm not just throwing a headband on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, okay, so we have Tommy Lloyd. I don't have that problem. Sorry, go ahead. No, you do not. You, you, no lice for you. Uh, no, you don't. You don't have that. We got you Tommy don't. Lloyd. We got Shaka. Who you got? Who you got? Ed Cooley. We got Ed Cooley. Yeah. Um, well, well, Bruce Pearl's got to be in there. Yeah. Yes. He's got to be in there. Look, you're the 100%. coach of the number one team in the country. Yep. You know, I had Scott Drew in there at one point. I no longer do. 
I, I just don't think he wins it, but I did at one point, and I guess he's he in should. the race. He's in yeah. the race. Yeah. Beyond that, like, do I think that Matt Painter's a national coach of the year? I, just I got two he, more. I, I got two more. Re- okay, go ahead. That have to be on there. One is okay. Mark Adams. Mark Adams has yep. to be on there. At okay, that's going to be my next one. Absolutely. He's done an incredible job. Again, in his mid-60s, gets the job. And part of it for me is, you know, I doubted him. I completely doubted him, but he's done a hell of a job, not just showing he can coach defense, showing he can coach and manage a team. Yeah. We got to throw Steve Forbes in there, 6-16 six and 16 last year, 19-5 and five right now. Went yep. and went to the portal, got exact guys that are perfect for him. He's got to be in that conversation. If the ACC is better, he's obviously getting more recognition. But 19 and 5, still 19 and 5. What, I'm going to give for, one more. Yep, go ahead. Brad, Brad Underwood has to be on there. Lots Corbello basically for the entire year, and they're in the mix for the Big Ten title right now. Uh, they've had plenty of other injuries to, to deal with. And um, so I, I think Underwood's in there too. So, all right, now. Is it time to make our picks? I think it's time to narrow it down to to three people. No, let's just make our picks. Let's make Go our ahead. picks. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make your pick, T.O. Make your pick, I'm go- Terrence. I'm going Shaka Smart. And the reason being is they were sub 500 last year, and the way he's got those guys playing, that had to be a massive turnaround really quick, and those guys compete so hard. That energy level is back in Marquette. It is a fun team to watch, and those guys continue – continually compete on every night, even some nights when they don't have all the talent in the world. Wait a minute. What about Kelvin Sampson? Yeah, we got to throw they that one in there too. Anybody, He's done an incredible job, but their, their league stinks and they haven't, they haven't played anybody in their league yet. So lost his top two scorers though. I mean, no, no, agreed. Listen, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from the job he's done. I just don't think again, if they were in a real league right now, playing really good teams again, he'd still find a way to beat some of them. But but they wouldn't be undefeated in their league. Let's let's be honest. All right, go ahead, Jeff. I'm torn between Bruce Pearl and Ed Cooley. Completely torn. Like I don't know which way to go, Bruce Pearl. Neither one were expected to do a whole hell of a lot. I will give it to Ed Cooley because Bruce Pearl has the number one overall pick or two overall pick or three overall pick in Jabari Smith. Ed Cooley, what he's done in the Big East in a league that Villanova has owned. Owned. And to now be 10 and one, uh, 20 and two overall, I'm giving it to Ed Cooley. To be 20 and two with a team that was picked to finish seventh and with a team that people thought might. And, and it a was tough a tough job. It was a huge might, might make the NCAA tournament. It is a difficult job. And it's a, it's a job where this year, it's not like you're in a league where you're beating up on people. You are 20 and two. And at the top of a league that could end up sending seven teams to the NCAA tournament, and you have closed out big yeah. games. Sure, you've had some fortune with some games that have gotten next to COVID, but the fact is when you've been on the floor, you've won 20 games, you've only lost two, yeah. and people thought that people thought at this point through 22 games, you might be like 12 and 10 or 14 and 8. Right. So I'd give it to Ed Cooley. I would give it to Ed Cooley. His team is ranked 11th in the country right now. Some people thought that they'd be closer to 11th in the Big East than they would be 11th Amazing. in the country. I'm not kidding. This right. has been incredible. It's been a remarkable coaching job, and it's been an yeah. example of a guy who has been counted out before in his career, Jeff. You know this. You've covered Ed for a long time. He thrives on being doubted. He's as good of a motivator as there is in college basketball. Yeah, Eddie's just his personality is second to none. I mean, listen <laughs> – 
I'm doing a, a story this week on on former NBA players who have been Division One head coaches and the lack of success. The number one guy, the the number one former guy. I'm giving all of them a, a grade. The number one former guy is Al Skinner, who did an incredible job at Boston College and at URI. And one of the main reasons is because he had Ed Cooley on his staff. Period. Al Skinner was not the hardest working dude in the world, but Eddie could. Eddie and Bill Cohn were as good of a staff as there ever was since I've gotten into this doing recruiting 25 years ago. They're that good. They complement each other. They, they could evaluate. They could develop. And, uh, yeah, Ed Cooley's doing it at Providence in a tough, tough job. I know Providence fans don't want to hear this, but trust me when I say the Georgetown job unto itself is a much better job than the Providence job. Period. Why so? Tell us about Georgetown as a job. Well, I mean, first of all, you have support, right? You have you have budget, you have resources, you've got an incredible now again, Providence has a really nice practice facility now. They do. Yes, they do. But Georgetown Georgetown's is even nicer. They, their recruiting base is is unbelievable. What they can recruit in their general area. Ed, Ed Cooley does not have that around Providence. Now you can go New England prep schools, all of that. But to me, more than anything, you have tradition. You can sell pros. Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Patrick Ewing, all the great players that have come through there, especially big men. I don't know if there's one thing that Providence has an advantage over Georgetown on other than recent uh, winning. That's all they have over Georgetown. And everybody will say that. Well, Georgetown hasn't won. They look at, yeah, they've hired the wrong people. Like, like that's part of it, guys. Like St. John's hasn't won because they've hired the wrong people. Now, again, like years ago, Georgetown made the tournament every damn year. Yeah. They just, again, Patrick Ewing was not the right guy. Well, we, Terrence Oglesby picked Shaka Smart, and we picked Ed Cooley, which means who it's hard to hell? argue against. It's, it's hard to argue against Ed Cooley, though. I but mean, who's going to win Big East Coach of the Year? It'll be something to see who, who the coaches vote upon. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good Seriously, point. Seriously, that's going to be something. To I see. give it a Cooley. Cooley, he, if he wins the league, and again, they were picked seventh, like you said. Yeah. I think you got to give it a Cooley if he holds on and wins the league. All right. We got three top 25 games on Tuesday night, and I do want to briefly touch on them here after dark afters. Then we'll get to three cheers. Wisconsin at Michigan State. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think the Badgers might might pull something off here in, in East Lansing. What say you, Goodman? Yeah, I don't go against Sparty at home. I get at the you. Breslin I get Center. I'm not dumb. I don't go – like, that place is awesome. Like, my daughter got into school at Michigan State, and I'm still trying to convince her to go there because I, <laughs> I want – now, again, she, she, Indiana, Penn State, she's got some good options, but – Man, Michigan State, good football, great hoops, great atmosphere all the time, and both. Uh, they've got hockey, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best here. So what's your me. recruiting like? I mean, t- give us a 60-second breakdown of what the Goodman household looks like right now with the college search. Yeah, I'm trying not to get too involved. I, the best thing is, so I told her to make a list of pros and cons, right? For She's really down to Indiana and Penn State at this point for the most part. And uh, I told her, make a list. So my wife calls me while I was in Lubbock. And she says, all right, yeah, your daughter made a list. Under pros for Penn State, it was um, the coach likes that. Under cons for, <laughs> under cons for Indiana, the fans hate that. 
Hey, I'm some like, of my oh. be- some of my best friends in the world went to IU and they just loved it. Yeah. Just yeah. thought it was a great place. And I, I went up there to visit. That's the reason I knew about Kilroy's when we talked to yeah. uh, Fennessy. But yeah, 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 it's a great place. It's a great place. Okay, so you're going Michigan State and home. The line is four. You could take it at Bet Rivers here. T.O., does Johnny Davis have enough? We know he does, but are you willing to, to take it? Here's, here's my problem with taking them right now is that Michigan State just got handled on the road at the rack. So you're getting a couple of days removed with Izzo being pissed off. It's it's hard for me to go. Uh, it's hard for me to go with Wisconsin at this one because you know the is zone is going to be popping. So I'm going to go Michigan State as well. Man, great night in the Big Ten. You got. But here, here here's the issue with that. Here's the issue with that. Just to counter my point, like Johnny yeah. Davis could go for forty. Yes, yeah, that's why I'm going Wisconsin. Yeah. I smell blood in the water. I just I think well, Michigan guys, Michigan State's half court offense is dreadful at times. Dreadful. Goodman, you saw it at Illinois when they don't have Coburn and Corbello and they still win. Michigan State's offense was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. I, I just yeah, I know again, I, 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 I just feel like and and again, if Tyson Walker or AJ Hogard, one of them show up and, and are good, they'll be fine. They'll Wisconsin is so much Johnny Davis, and I think teams have kind of I don't want to say figured him out because there's no figuring Johnny Davis out, but making him take difficult contested shots, right? Like running two guys at him now. And, and again, that that's a tough deal. I don't think he's got enough help there. Okay. I think this is a sneaky pivotal game tomorrow night. I think the team entering tomorrow night with the most pressure on them in a game yep. is the Connecticut Huskies who have lost back to back games who have lost back-to-back games and now are hosting Shaka Smart and Marquette on Tuesday night. Jeff, you will be in the building at Gamble Pavilion. Who wins? I think it's XL. I could be wrong, but I think it's XL Center. Not sure. Okay. I've gone to the wrong one before, so tell me right now. If I'm going to the wrong building, (laughs) let me me know right right now. now. Let me get it right now. I'm going to get it right now. I've done that. You've seen me run out of gas. I've gone to the wrong building. I mean, I've done – once I – once I throw my, I'm wrong. Uh, uh, it is at the XL Center. All right, thank you. See, Fanta could have screwed me up there, and, and I really could have screwed you up. Okay, so it's in Hartford, which which is a difference. Who wins this game? Um, I'm going to say UConn in this one. They need it desperately. Their next two games after this are on the road. If they don't win this one, and I think Dan Hurley, he's got to push the right buttons with his team. Sonogo's got to come up big. Um, RJ Cole's got to have a big time game against. Uh, this Marquette team and the way they get after you. So I, I think UConn wins. I think they respond. Sonogo's got to be good. I think that's a big thing. They got to be able to control the tempo because RJ Cole going against that pressure for 40 minutes is going to be hard. So they have to control the tempo. That's going to be huge at home. I think they could do that better, but with Marquette, I think they've won like nine out of their last 10, something crazy. Uh, it's yeah. they're streaking. They're playing well while UConn's not. Who controls the tempo of that game, I think, is going to win the game. I think UConn could do that at home. You know, timing is everything. UConn needs this game, and sometimes that's enough just to pull them ahead. Big picture, though, man, they're going to have to make this a a low 60s game. They're not getting enough offensively beyond R.J. Cole in that backcourt. There's so much pressure on Cole. The fact is, 
Jordan Hawkins has not panned out the way that they sort of envisioned he could. Tyler Polly's way too much come and go. He's inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Tyrese Martin, he's got to put the team on his back at times offensively, Jeff. Yeah. He's got to just take it on. Show. Yeah, when, yeah. When, when they make life difficult for Sonogo, Tyrese Martin's got to be that guy who goes for 20 and, and, like you said, make sure that they don't go through these offensive funks that you see way too often with the Huskies. All right, three cheers time. Terrence Oglesby, it's your floor here. Who are you cheersing? Oh, man. I'm going to go tonight because, well, I was going to go McCormick for Kansas, but I'm not going to do that, obviously, because they lost because he's t- he's taken a lot of crap, and I thought he played pretty well tonight. But cheers to Texas. This is one that could get you over the hump. You guys have been trying to figure it out. Coach Beard, uh, this is an affirmation game that you can, can compete in that conference. You can win big games. So cheers to Texas. Longhorns faithful. Might get rolling here. Goodman. And I just spilled right. myself. I'm, I'm going with the, the rivalry game, Arizona, uh, playing Arizona State, wearing the, the whole deal here. I'm all Kirk it up. I'm, I'm, I'm not going with Kirk Risa in this one. I'm going with Tubelis, who has been absolutely battling, um, you know, foot injuries. Honestly, probably should have sat, sat this one out. And instead, he goes for like 19 and 11. He is an absolute warrior. He told me, he was like, for the UCLA game, I asked him, I said, what are you? He said, probably 75, 80%. He said, honestly, if I got a broken leg, I- I'm playing in this game. So, Fanna, look what I got. Oh! Fanna, cheers. Let's hey, go. That's fantastic. We're, hey, Lithuanians are tough, buddy. Lithuanians are tough. Convenience store or grocery store? I was in store? Lithuania. Yeah, I found it. I went searching for it today. Um. You yeah, I was in Lithuania for obviously what we know and, and uh, went out with Jimmy Barron, former URI star who was mm-hmm. playing over there in, uh, in Vilnius. And we went out with a couple of his teammates and we went to the, we ended up in the back room of some club and they were just bringing the hard shit over. And I'm like, I can't deal with this shit. No way. No way. <laughs> this dude so- was like six, nine. 260. He was exactly what you thought of when you thought of like a Lithuanian basketball player who could drink you under the table. He probably could have had 80 shots. And I'm like five in. I'm like, I, Jimmy Barron was the same way. We're like, we can't handle this. They go forever. I, when I was playing in Ukraine, I feel like I've told these stories every time. We got on the bus from a road trip that we once, the coaches were in a good mood, and they busted out the vodka bottle on the bus home oh. and drank the entire time. <laughs> and had and and they had uh they had a game film of like the assistant coach from like 82. It was a VCR. And they popped it in, and they were watching it as if it was live. And he was taking shots every time he scored. And then they got Yo. so drunk, the windows didn't open. But they got so drunk, they didn't care. They started smoking on the bus on the way home. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. I'm like, where that? Where am I? It was it, Eastern Europeans, man. I'm telling you, Eastern oh, yeah. Europeans. All right, I'm going to cheers to Caden Shedrick and Reese Beekman and Virginia because Virginia got on the NCAA tournament radar. It might be a spec, but you're on the radar. You win at Duke. You don't have any quad four losses. You're on the radar. There are such things as a program win. And in a year that has left a lot to be desired, Tony Bennett showed why he is still a top five coach in college basketball. Three cheers to you, the Listen, and, and look at what they got coming up. Georgia Tech at home, at Virginia Tech, Miami at Miami, 
Like they roll those three off, then they get Duke at home, and that becomes a huge, huge, huge game. Yep, no question about it. Big night for Virginia. They come away with a win. Big night for, hey, Arizona took care of business after a bit of a slow start. And how about those Texas Longhorns? And that, uh, that's going to do it here for us. Do we have the Miller brothers tomorrow night as part of this big night? Tell I me we do. We, I think we do with Doster. So they're going to have to carry Doster tomorrow night as we all have to carry Doster when we're on with it. So. <laughs> and you know Doster will be on fire after the UConn-Marquette game, among, oh, among others. True. So he they got to put miserable. Up- Oh, I mean, he could be miserable. Yeah. There's uh, part of me that wants UConn to win just for Doster's health. Oh, hopefully okay. he'll take his medication more. <laughs> that does it for us, for Greg Waddell, our producer. Thank you, Greg W. T.O. Terrence Oglesby and Jeff Goodman. I'm John Fanta. Wow. We are back with you later tonight, 11 p.m. Eastern time, part of a huge night. College Hoops on Field of 68 after dark. Good night, everybody.